Everything that we have is everything we do in deed or word we do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Nice to see you all. God bless you all that are listening in. Just want to bring another prayer request before the church this afternoon. I just got a call from regarding Sister Bethia. She is undergoing some stress as a result of some work situations and and she began vomiting this afternoon. She has some abdominal pain, and also it's affected her back. She's had back issues before. Amen. How many has a need? Whatever the smallest need is, he's, he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Why don't we just sing, only believe, only believe. Oh. we could surrender our vessels, if we could remove every blockage and only believe, everything is possible. Lord, we're asking tonight that you would just take whatever would clog up our faith, whatever would hinder, if there's something we said or did that displeased you, would you look through the blood today? And Father, as we've gathered in on this Wednesday night, Lord, not just to a ritual or a form, but how necessary these gatherings are, Lord, as we near our home. 
Father, as we see what's behind us, we see the, a world just beginning to burn on fire and the judgments on it. But Lord, we're closer home than we've ever been. And Father, we pray that you draw us into your presence tonight. We pray that you'd bring us into the reach of that heavenly voice, that heavenly anthem, that heavenly music. Those that are gathered already on the other side, O oh Lord. Father, may your presence permeate this building tonight, Lord. Father, we're looking to you to come in a special way. Father, we thank you for every prayer that's been uttered. We thank you for the expectation within the hearts of your people. We thank you for the Spirit of God that dwells in your bride. Lord, it's saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Father, while we're here, we're asking you. Lord, we've got steps to take yet in this earth. We've got duties fulfill. And Lord, we're asking, therefore, for our sister Bethia. Lord, as she is in the line of duty, as she is here on business for the King, Lord, we pray that you will just remove whatever it is. Take every obstacle out of the way, Lord. May you bring healing to her, O oh Lord. Father, may it all be well in the name of Jesus. And Father, we're asking for every hand that was raised. Lord, may the Spirit of God move on the scene. Father, we're looking to you tonight. You are the one who knows the fall of the, the sparrow. You know every heart, every need. My hand was raised as well, Lord. Father, now we just turn to the word. We're asking you. you. Just spoke in the office. We're committing this service not into the hands of man, but the hands of God. We give you the preeminence. Bless the word now as we read it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ray. Thanks to the musicians. Let's just turn in our Bible. Psalms 137, if you will. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Just wanted to say how we appreciate every prayer, every encouragement, every effort that is made for every service. It, it's a body. It's not one individual. There's many components, many members to this body, and we're thankful for every one of them. Amen. We also want to just mention there's a young people's service. Uh, Brother Andrew will be speaking on Friday night. I don't know if you know, but we've had some tremendous young people services. God is really, really in our midst. I just want to say I appreciate everything that's uttered and done for those services. Let's remember that. Psalms 137. I want to just take this scripture and let's just, just read the whole chapter. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the song, the Lord's song? in a strange land. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem who say,
raise it. Let's not raise it. Let's, let's tear it down, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll just invite you also to turn. And I, I would like tonight, I, I was thinking, I had a thought on Sunday that I wanted to bring in to tie in a little bit with what we did Sunday, and the Lord willing, I will do that. But it just seemed as I was waiting on the Lord in the last couple of days, it just seemed that I, I ended up just getting pulled in different directions, and I really had two directions. And then just last night, we were praying, and then this morning, the Lord just really seemed to turn this. So we just want to speak on the pull of Jerusalem. I'd like you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 26. Actually, if I can just read verse 25. For this, um, Paul is talking about two covenants, one that genders to bondage, which is Hagar. This Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So, so there's, there's Jerusalem, but there's one channel which is of bondage, and then there's another which is free. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll just read, if we can, from verse 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, that burns with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if as much of a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So this is speaking of the mountain that was in Israel. When God told Moses, you shall call my people out, you'll come to, to this mountain and you'll worship me. But remember, this was under the anointing of the cherubims which were still hiding or driving them away from the real kernel, the real uh, entrance that they needed to come to. So it was fearful. It, was, it, wasn't one, it wasn't a situation that was one of, you know, just come and be drawn. It was a fearful thing. So it was a different type of a call. But then we read, and as Paul picks it up in verse 22, and he starts with, but... Which means, that was then, but this is now. But now you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now I, I want to just ask us to look beyond the church, look beyond our form. Let's not just be caught up, it's a Wednesday or whatever it is. I want you to think about the world that is about to go into destruction. And I want us to think about where we are going tonight. And he says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. 
This call, my brother, my sister, is not just a general call. This is a call that when the seals are open, you hear your own name. You see your own inheritance. It's a personal call. It's a call of the Lord unto you personally. It's not a general call. It's a call to you. And he says, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now I'm going to try to move along quickly here. We've taken a few Wednesdays where we've spoken on this time period of Israel going into captivity. And I'm drawing from that a thought but I, I want to just say this, this period occupies a, a large portion of the Old Testament. One quarter of the books of the Old Testament deal with this time frame. There is those that are the historical books or records, which actually are in the book of the Chronicles. And the Chronicles carry right over into the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra being the priest that first left Babylon to come back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah being part of that movement that built the walls of Jerusalem. But first the foundation had to be restored and with that foundation there was Ezra the priest but there was also this one called Zerubbabel who was a prince among the people and who became a leader and who became one that was integral in this restoration. So these are the historical books. There's Chronicles, there's Ezra, there's Nehemiah. And then there's the record of those that remained back in Israel while the children went into captivity. And of that was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet to them. And he, he spoke to them and he had probably the least desired prophetic office if you look in the Bible because he had to speak of destruction. He had to speak of their going in and no, you've, you've done, you've sinned, you've done wrong. And it wasn't a light task for Jeremiah. It was a heavy burden that was on his heart. But yet it was the Spirit of God that was in him. And he was crying out with all of his heart. And out of Jeremiah comes the lamentations. It wasn't easy. This was a man who bore the burden of the Lord. And he cried out. He was called the weeping prophet. And yet it was also prophetic. And he was also a prophet to the nations. And then at the same time over in Babylon there was the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was one who, who would who would have to go there, and he also was a prophet in that time, in that era, and he was assigned to them that he was over there. Lord willing, we'll get into some other time. And at the same time, there was also Daniel. And Daniel was one who was in there as a young man, lived out the whole duration. And then I would also like to say there was also the prophetic books, of which the prophetic books were uh, Haggai, and Zechariah and Malachi. So those all happened in that time frame. So really this is a critical time in the Bible because it was at this time it began to be the ushering in of the Gentiles into the plan of God, starting with Nebuchadnezzar. 
And Nebuchadnezzar was the one who had the image, and that image would be seen, and he was a part of it. But it was also the closing out of, of the Israel time frame, because you find that even after the book of Malachi, it was 400 years, there was very little spoken anymore. God had already spoke all his word to Israel at that time, and it would nothing further happen until John the Baptist came, followed up directly by Jesus to the Israelites. Now, I'm saying out of this period, there would come a natural restoration. And it would be bringing a people back into their land, back into their inheritance. So while in this low period, while they were in this, you know, and I would just say naturally speaking, in our own lives, sometimes it takes us to be brought to a low place before we actually stop and look up. Before we actually call on God. Before we just, instead of just running and looking and never looking up and just running this way, running that way, but to actually stop and say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? And it takes God to bring us into that place. So now if, if we take it, it was in this time frame while Israel was in a low place that God began to speak of their natural restoration. But he also had a much greater picture because the 70 years that they were to be in captivity was going to be a type of seven church ages. There was a church age that ushered in that had all the promises of God, but they would fall off and go into the ground and God would let seven church ages go, but at the end of those ages, he would say, I'm going to bring you back to the first age. I'm going to bring you back to what the first age was lost. And that's what God began to do. So it was a time period that out of this ushered in not just the natural, but the spiritual. It was Ezekiel, as he would be in the midst of that land, that he would witness a valley of dry bones, a prophecy not just of that time, but of the time that we live in. It was Ezekiel that he would be taken up into the heavenlies, and he would see the order of the kingdom, and he would see the beasts and all the field and everything, but it was out of this time that God was showing forth these things. It was Haggai who would begin to speak and say, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Again, a very direct prophecy to the time we live in. It would be Zechariah who was in that time and he would pray, there'll come a headstone that will come forth with shoutings of grace, grace, grace. But it was all foreshadowing, a time to come, a time that we're living in. And it was Malachi who would say, I'll send my messenger and he'll come quickly. And he would say, there's coming a great and dreadful day of the Lord. But before that happens, I will send you my messenger, Elijah the prophet. Oh, friends, it's God's great mind unfolding. So I'm going to focus in now. Because this in type is showing not just a restoration a resurrection, but it's also showing the desire of God. As this generation leaves Jerusalem and goes into captivity, very few would ever come back to that land again. This was a generation that would die in a land 
And while they were in that land, they were there because of the sins of the forefathers and what it had brought them to. And God, being a just God, he would have to punish them. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Are you with me tonight? Amen. Amen. We, we appreciate the word of God. We appreciate how he reveals himself to us in this hour that we live in. Jeremiah chapter 29. Let's just pick up the reading from verse 4. So as they're going into captivity, these are the words of Jeremiah to the people going into captivity. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build you houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. You know, what good was it if the generation would die out there and never would there be anyone to come back and claim the portion of land? What good would it be if there wasn't going to be a bunch of ages between Ephesians and, 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 and the Laodicean age? But there had to be all these ages. It, it was going to be a carrying on until a time of restoration. Until a time when God would bring back and say, now you're going to possess the land that I have given you. And so it would take this kind of a thought. So they would have to, and, and God would tell them, in verse 7, and seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. So he would tell them, and, and then he actually goes on to admonish them, and don't listen to the prophets that tell you otherwise. In the next verse. Because they'll come those and say, oh, no, it'll only be two years. No, it'll only be this. No, God knew what he was doing. So God has an order and he has a time and a season. And they had to subject themselves to it. It's the same in our day. God had said in his word. Let's just take a couple of scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 to 2. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and in honesty. So we pray for the nation. We pray for the rulers. We pray for them. But this prayer and this inhabitation that was going to exist in the time of Jerah was only for a time. It wasn't going to carry on always. And friends, I'll say at the time we're living in and by some of the events that we were showing on the other day, there's coming a time when, the, when America will begin to speak like a dragon. And you will not be able to just inhabit houses and inhabit lands. That will be part of the call to go back home. Now it's no longer praying for that nation. In fact, the nation is already on a downward trend. It was in 1956 that they had their last call as a nation. It was in 63 that the church world received the hardest shaking they ever could. And friends, it's not going to ever come back. And Canada's included. And we pray as long as there's opportunity, may God help us. But I'll say, that window is now closing. It's coming to us where there's going to be a time when the very government, when there's going to happen to be 
a government, a leader, someone come in that will align themselves, and it will come against the bride. I was sharing with Brother Paul when we were here, and we were fellowshipping, and Brother Branham would actually make this statement. God can't judge the nation until they start to put their hand on the bride. Now, it means it's going to come to our doors. So, pray for those in authority. Titus 2, if we can. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. So, we ought to obey. We ought to do all we can. We, we, we're, we're here abiding, abiding with the government. We're here doing all that we can. But when the time comes, I've got one place to stand, one place to trust, and that's the Lord Jesus. And that's why we're, we're doing this as the type was here in Jeremiah. We're going to do this for a time period. But at the time appointed, at the end of 70 years, at the end of seven churches, there's a call coming. And who will respond to that call? Who will listen to that call? Now let me just, just take this a little further. And, and, and if I can say it this way, this generation that went in, there actually had to be a generation that would come back out. Let's just go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And this, this is just dealing on, on, on a similar level, but let's just take verses 8 to 10. By faith Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange land, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Because the promise was to Abraham and his seed. Not just natural seed, but also royal seed. So Abraham is the father of the faith. Uh, 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 and we're a part of that. And it says, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. So he was looking for a city. How did he know that city existed? Because he met the king. He met the king of that city, and he knew it's around here somewhere. I've met that king. There's an inheritance for me. That promise is real. Why? He, the king, has come down and made his word real to me. How do we know in this end day? The Son of Man has come down. He has made his word real. It's the call of the bridegroom to you personally. Friends, this is so much higher than do's or don'ts. This is so much higher than, than, than you know, keep your hair this length and, and keep your skirts this way. That's only a part of it. The greater kernel comes to the very inside, and it's in your very fabric and being, and it cries, Abba, Father, even so come, Lord Jesus. So he would say in verse 12, Therefore sprang there, even of one, even him as good as dead, talking about Isaac. So many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and as the, as the sand which is of the seashore innumerable. These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims 
on the earth. They had no continuing city. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Don't ever get rooted down too deeply. Don't get rooted down too deeply, and I would say, in your job, in your friends. Don't ever get too rooted too deeply, even in a church building. Uh, don't get too rooted too, too deeply in, in these things. They're a figure. They're a part of it. God allows them. They're temporal. But we have a continuing city. Don't get too rooted to the things that you treasure and admire, be it your John Deere tractor or, or your sewing machine or whatever you've got. They're just temporal. Oh, let the joy of God be your greatest chief joy above all. Let the heavenly city Friends, I was a young child. I grew up in a, in a home that, that uh, you had a believing mother. I didn't have a believing father in that way. But I grew up in, believe it or not, it's believe it or not, yes, believe it or not. They, they would have us kids all sing, and they had reel-to-reel recorders, and we'd sing songs. And we'd sing songs, oh, I love that man from Galilee. Oh, and, and we'd sing it, yeah, and I was there. It's recorded. It's on tape. It's held in a vault so nobody can get a hold of it now. But don't worry about it. It's, but it was part of me. It was part of me growing up. And then I, I remember my grandma would always tell me, because I was a young boy, I didn't even know it. I was just a young boy. She said, I said, tell me the story of that golden city. I don't know why I loved it. It was in me. It was a part of my fabric. It was a part of my being. And I, I remember looking at Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories, and there was pictures of that city, and, and there was something in me that fabricated and revived in me. And it said, oh, there's a call. There's a deep calling to the deep. It's there, friends. It's even here now. This message is not just do this and do this and avoid the mark of the beast and avoid this. It's greater than it. It's a pull. It's a pull to a heavenly realm. It's God drawing us. And it says, truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. Lot's wife was mindful uh, there's something back there. And I'll tell you what, they, got, they were out by the skin of their teeth. But Abraham wasn't looking for that place. When the decision came, choose these fields or these fields, take whatever you want. There's something greater. There's something more real. This is temporal. You know, you, you, you want to butt in line at the Tim Hortons, go ahead. You know, I, I'm going to a place where there's going to be heavenly drinks. I don't know if they're going to have coffee over there, Brother A, or what. But I, I'm sure it'll be good. If it is. <laughs> anyway, it says, and now they desire. Look, they desire a heavenly, a better country. That is a heavenly. There, wherefore, God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Oh, friends, I, I don't know about you, but we sing that song even so. That, that's a cry. That's a, that's a deep something that's coming out. I'm not just uh, wanting to avoid. I I, I want to be drawn in. You know, let me let me read read a quote for you because this is this is this is so much a part of 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 the of my message. My message is simple. Just God dropped it in my heart. This is out of the message. Uh, Recognize your day and its message. He said, "I'm going to say something," and he's talking about this last day. National force put Israel into their homeland, and he says. National force will put the world 
council, we'll put the church in the world council of churches. But the power of God will put the people in the bride. The world forces this way, and the world forces this way, but God forces upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Word is Spirit and life, will put the bride in her place, because she'll recognize her position in the Word. Then she's in Christ. That will put her in her place. No national force will do it, but the national force will drive Israel into their homeland. The national forces of the Council of Churches will drive every organization into it. How does God do it with us? I, I don't have this a whole other service, but just drop this in. We are free moral agents. God does not force you to do anything. But he puts you into a place where if there's a seed germ in you, it will say, and it will stop everything else and say, Abba, Father, I come. I come because you're calling me. And the spirit that's in me is greater than the spirit that's in this world. I'm coming to you. Now, as much as Israel even was thrown into captivity in the time of uh, Abraham, when Abraham's sons and Joseph went down into to Israel, at the end of that time, they were to abide there for 400 years, according to the word of God. But Joseph made this statement as he was dying. He's saying, take my bones and you keep them, and don't bury me in this land. And he, had a, he was a prophet and he understood the resurrection would happen over in Palestine, not in Egypt. And I say the same thing. Don't bury me in any church. Don't bury me in any denomination. Don't bury me in any thinking. Bury me in Christ. Bury me in the Word. That's where the resurrection is. I'll say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. So as much as Joseph by faith went into the ground, there had to be somebody on the other end at that time that there would be a desire and they'd look at those bones of Joseph and said, hang on a second, I have respect unto the God of our fathers. And he took that man out and he brought us out. We've got to take those bones back. So there had to be faith at the other end as well. Now, it's got to just move along quick here. There's an inheritance. So the group that went out never inherited what came back. Now we pick this up in Jeremiah 32. Let's just go quickly here for a moment. Jeremiah 32, verse 14. And it said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidence, the evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed, and the evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So the land which was in desolation, the land which was, was in captivity, he says, I'm going to make a place. And it was Jeremiah telling his, his nephew and, his, and telling him about to gather this place. And he's saying, take this purchase, purchase it, seal it up. Now the outside of the seal was in itself an evidence. It was an evidence that something had been sealed. And it was showing forth, there's a stamp that's been, don't tamper with it. That evidence was there. 
And it had a name, and if it had something attached to it, and so you wouldn't tamper with it. But if it was called into question, then you would take the evidence which was hidden on the inside, and you would open it up. Now there's a whole service here, and I'm not going to get to it today. I really want to focus on the one thought. So there was something which was open and sealed, and there was something which was closed and sealed. Are we catching it? Revelations 10 and seven thunders uttered their voices, and John said, I was about to write, and be, he couldn't even write it, and he says, and God said to him, seal it up. Don't write it till the time of the end. I need to, that, that, I just can't take that time in this part of the service today. Now there's something that, that has to come at a certain season. It was Daniel who read 68 years, and he understood by books. And it set a spirit in Daniel that began, if you can call it, his body clock began to move. And it began to say, so it was more than an intellectual level. It was something that was a fabric of his being. Because the call came out, it's time to go home. And Ezra, he had this desire. And Ezra thought, I, 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 Jerusalem's over there. I've got to get back to Jerusalem. We're in Babylon. I've got to get back. And, and it, was, it was at this time that others began to hear this call. It was Nehemiah who was a cupbearer. It was Zerubbabel. It was others. But there was those who were children of the kingdom who said, who, what are you guys getting so excited about? We're comfortable in Babylon. We got lives here. We got, we've worked for 70 years, and you're asking us to uproot and go back? I'll tell you what, not everyone that's called is chosen. This is the call of the bride. I, I'll tell you what, if you feel comfortable in just a church setting, if you feel comfortable, there ought to be something deeper within. There ought to be a call that says, I, I can't stay in this world. And I, and I pray if it's there, may God make you feel uncomfortable. May God put, put, put little pricks in your nest and rip out the fur and make you realize it's time to fly. It's time to soar. It was David in the Psalms. And David was the king. And Remember even David, he, he, he had desires and he expressed them in the Psalms. And he had a desire for water and a desire for things. And he desired the water of Bethlehem. But when he became king... He desired greater things. Sister Ruth, I'm going to ask you to check, skip a couple of scriptures. Go with me to Psalms 102. Psalms 102, verse 19. It was David expressing this. For he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven. Did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. So David is uttering these thoughts Remember, it was David who said he will not suffer his holy one to seek corruption. So David was a type of an earthly king, but he was also expressing the desires of the heavenly king. And David was expressing what Jerusalem meant to him. Psalms 51, verse 17, this is the great thing where David was brought low, and he, as he comes out of it, and he's, he's just repenting and giving himself, he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken heart. A broken, and, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. 
David's desire expressed here to, 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 through the Psalms. And it, in many cases, it was prophetic. Let's go over to Psalms 122. I, I just would like to back up to verse 1 if you don't mind. I, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city which is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, giving unto the, giving, uh, the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. The, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the, of, of the house of David. And he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. This is Jerusalem natural, but there's a Jerusalem spiritual. I'm going to pick up some of this in another service. But when the call came in Revelations chapter 20, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. What was the next picture that came down? A city. A city came down. We, our names are written in that city. Our inheritance is in that city. We are identified in that city. We are not. We are pilgrims and we're strangers on this earth. We belong to heavenly Jerusalem. Psalms 125. This, I just read this in a devotion and it was too good to pass up. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. Let's go back to, I could read out of Lamentations. I'm going to skip it for time. Psalms 137. So they're in this land. This is our opening scripture. They're all there by Babylon, brought low, hung their harps. How are they going to sing a song? But in their minds, they're going back. Now, some of this was a generation that came out, but some of this was a generation that all they'd ever heard. And I think we're part of the generation. All we've ever heard is something back there. And we can't help. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says... Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has restored. I, I don't know, but I, I and, and if it isn't even all they make it, I can't stop the spirit that's in me. You, you watched in the fall when the birds and the ducks and the geese, some of them were born in ponds here. They've never been to the place they're migrating to. But their fathers, their forefathers have all been there. And something is deposited in them that they must go back. They're driven to go back. And as it was in that time, there had to be an Ezra. There had to be a Nehemiah. And they long to go back. And I say this, I long to go back. Friends, so much of our preaching sometimes is don't do this. Don't be a partaker of the world. And it's, it's on the things we shouldn't do. And maybe we're, as ministers, guilty. Maybe I'm guilty. But there's also something that ought to be a pull. That ought to be saying, the spirit that I'm born of is pulling me into the presence of God. The things I'm feeding on are pulling me. 
Now, I'm going to change the order of the service right about here. We've heard about what the Holy Ghost is. We've heard about these things. There was a prophet that preached it, but he'd never really touched or experienced it until May of 1960. This has always been special to me. This was three days before I was born. And it was just before he went into the adoption series. And God gives him this. So I'm going to ask Sister Ruth if you can prepare this. And I'm gonna, we're going to listen just to a portion of tape now for the remainder of the service. And you know this well. But I want you to catch what God is saying in this, this time. Go ahead. My days. No one does. The other morning I was laying in my bed. And I was... I'd been asleep and I dreamed that Joseph was sick. And I'd picked him up to pray for him. And when I woke up, I was very upset. I said, well, maybe Joseph is going to be sick. And I looked going before me in a little dark shadow, rather of a brownish color. And it seemed like it was me. And I watched it and coming behind it was someone white. And it was him. I looked over to my wife to see if she was awake and I could show her if she could see the vision. But she was sleeping. I said, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. But that's been my life. You've had to drive me to everything that I've done. Every time anything had happened, I think it was you doing it. And I realized it was Satan trying to keep me away from it. I said, if you could only leave me. And as I looked, I seen the prettiest face I ever saw on a man. He was in front of me looking back. He raised his hand and got a hold of mine and started moving this away. The vision left me. Last Sunday morning, I was waking up early. That was on Saturday, this vision. I've always wearied. I've always thought of dying at me being 50. It's, my time is not, didn't think was too long. And I wonder what I would be in this theophany, celestial body. Would it be that I'd see my precious friends and say a little white fog going by and say, there goes Brother Neville, or he couldn't say, hello, Brother Branham. And when Jesus come, then I'd be man again. I often thought that I was dreaming that I was out west and I'm coming down to a little sagebrush place and my wife was with me and we'd been trout fishing and I stopped and, and opened up the gate and the skies were so pretty. They didn't look like they do over the valley here. They were blue in the pretty white clouds. And I said to wife, I said, we ought to have been out here a long time ago, honey. She said, for the children's sake, we should have been, Billy. I said, that's right. I woke up. I thought, I'm streaming so much. I wonder why. And I looked down, and she was laying by me. <clears throat> and I raised up on my pillow, as many of you people have done, put my head up on the 
the headboard of the bed and put my hands behind me. I was laying there like this, and I said, Well, I just wonder what it will be the other side. I am already 50, and I haven't done nothing yet. If I could only do something to help the Lord, for I know I won't be mortal. Half of my time is gone at least, or more than half, if I live to be as old as my people. Still half my time is gone. And I looked around, and I was laying there fixing to get up. It's about 7 o'clock. I said, I believe I'll go down to church this morning. If I am hoarse, I'd like to hear Brother Neville preach. So I, I said, are you awake, honey? And she was sleeping very soundly. And <clears throat> I don't want you to miss this. It has changed me. I can't be the same brother of Branham that I was. And I looked. And I heard something kept saying. You're just starting. Press the battle. Just keep pressing. I shook my head a minute. I thought, well, I... Probably just thinking like this, you know, your persons can get some imaginations. And I said, I just probably imagine that. It said, press the battle. Keep going. Keep going. I said, maybe I said it. And I put my lips within my teeth and put my hand over my mouth. And there it come again. said, just keep pressing if you only knew what was at the end of the road. And it seemed like I could hear Grim Snelling or somebody that sang that song like this. He sings it here, Anna Mae and all of you all. I'm homesick and blue and I want to see Jesus. I would like to hear those sweet harbor bells chime. It would brighten my path and would vanish all fears. Lord, let me look past the curtain of time. You've heard it saying here at the church. And I heard something say, would you like to see just beyond the curtain? I said, it would help me so much. And I looked in just a moment. I, one breath, I'd come into a little place that slanted. I looked back and there I was laying on the bed. And I said, this is a strange thing. Now, I would not want you to repeat this. This is before my church or my sheep that I am pastoring. Whether it was I was in this body or out, whether it was a translation it wasn't like any vision I ever had. I could look there and I could look here. And when I hit that little place, i never seen so many people come running, screaming. Oh, our precious brother. And I looked in young women, maybe in their early 20s, 18 to 20. They were throwing their arms around me and screaming, Our precious brother, 
Here come young men in the brilliance of young manhood and their eyes glistening and looking like stars on a darkened night. Their teeth as white as pearl. And they were screaming and grabbing me and screaming, Oh, our precious brother. And I stopped and I looked and I was young. I looked back at my old body laying there with my hands behind my head. And I said, I don't understand this. And these young women throwing their arms around me. Now I do realize this is a mixed audience. And I say this with the sweetness and with the mellowness of the spirit. Man cannot put your arm around women without uh, a human sensation. But it wasn't there. There was no yesterday or tomorrow. They didn't get tired. They were. I never seen such pretty women in all my life. They had a hair way down to their waistline, long skirts to their feet, and they were just a hugging me. It wasn't a hug like even my own sister sitting there would have hugged me. They were not kissing me, and I was not kissing them. It was something that I, I have not got the the vocabulary. I haven't got the words to say. Perfection wouldn't touch it. Suburb wouldn't even touch it nowhere. It was something that I never, you just have to be there. And I looked this way and that way, and they were coming by the thousands. And I said, I, I don't understand this. I said, well, they, and here come hope. That was my first wife. She ran and never said my husband. She said, my precious brother. And when she hugged me, there was another woman standing there that hugged me and then Hope hugged this woman. And each one, and I thought, oh, this has to be something different. It, it can't be. There's something. Oh, would I ever want to go back to that old carcass again? I looked around there and I thought, what is this? And I looked real good and I... I said, I, I can't understand this. But hope seemed to be like uh, oh, a guest of honor. She was no different, but just like a guest of honor. And I heard a voice then that spoke to me that was in the room said, this is what you preach was the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. And nothing can enter here without it. I am more determined than ever in my life that it takes perfect love to enter there. There was no jealousy. There was no tiredness. There was no death. Sickness could never end there. Mortality could, could never make you old. And um, they could not cry. It was just one joy, oh, my precious brother. And they took me up and set me up on a great big high place. And I thought, I am not dreaming. I'm looking back at my, my body laying down on the bed. And they set me up there and I said, oh, I shouldn't sit up here. 
And here come women and men from both sides, just in the bloom of youth, screaming. And one woman was standing there, and she screamed, Oh, my precious brother. Oh, we are so happy to see you here. I said, I don't understand this. And then that voice that was speaking from above me said, You know, it is written in the Bible that the prophets were gathered with their people. And I said, yes, I remember that in the scriptures. Said, but this is when you will gather with your people. I said, then they'll be real. And I can feel them. Oh, yes. I said, but there's millions. There's not that many Branhams. And that boy said, they're not Branhams. Them's your converts. Amen. That's the ones that you've led to the Lord. And said some of them women there that you think is so beautiful were better than 90 years old. When you led them to the Lord. No wonder they're screaming our precious brother. And they screamed all once that if you hadn't have went, we wouldn't be here. I looked around and I thought, well, I don't get it. I said, oh, where is Jesus I want to see him so bad. They said, now he's just a little higher, right up that way. Said, someday he will come to you. She said, you were sent for a leader. And God will come. And when he does, he'll judge you according to what you taught them. First, whether they go in or not, we'll go in according to your teaching. I said, oh, I'm so glad. If Paul, does he have to stand like this? Does Peter have to stand like this? Yes. I said, then I preached every word that they preached. I never did it from one side to the other. Were they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? I did too. Were they taught the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I did too. Whatever they taught, I did too. And then people screamed and said, we know that and we know we're going with you someday back to earth. Said, Jesus will come and you'll be judged according to the word that you preached us. And then if you are accepted at that time, which you will be, and said, then you will present us to him as your trophies of your ministry. Said, you will guide us to him. And all together we'll go back to the earth to live forever. I said, do I have to return back now? Yes, but keep pressing on. I looked and I could see the people just as far as I could see still coming, wanting to hug me, screaming. Our precious brother, just then a voice said, all that you ever loved. And all that ever loved you, God has given you here. And I looked and here come my old dog come walking up. Here come my horse and laid his head upon my shoulder and nickered. Said all that you ever loved and all that ever loved you, God has given them into your hand. Through your ministry. And I felt myself move from that beautiful place. And I looked around. 
I said, are you awake, honey? She's still asleep. And I thought, oh, God. Oh, help me, oh, God. Never let me compromise with one word. Let me stay right straight on that word and preach it. I don't care what comes or goes, what anybody does, how many souls of sons of Kish rise, how many of this, that, or the other. Let me, Lord, press to that place. All fear of death. I say this is my Bible before me this morning. I've got a little boy there, four years old, to be raised. I got a nine-year-old girl and a teenager. But I'm thankful for that's turned the way of the Lord. Amen. God, let me live to bring them up in the admonition of God. And above that, the whole world seems to scream to me. Ninety-year-old women and men and all kinds. If you hadn't have went, we wouldn't have been here. God, let me press the battle. But if it comes to dying, I am no more. Uh, it would be a joy. It would be a pleasure to enter from this corruption and disgrace. If I could make up the other 100 billion miles high. A square block, and that's perfect love. Each step this way, it narrows. Until we get down to where we are now, it would be just merely a shadow of corruption. That little something that we can sense and feel that there's something somewhere we don't know what it is. Oh, my precious friend. My beloved, my darlings of the gospel, my begotten children unto God, listen to me, O pastor. Amen. You, I wish there was some way I could explain it to you. There's no words I couldn't find. It is not found anywhere. But just beyond this last breath is the most glorious thing that you ever heard. There is no way to explain it. There's no way I just can't do it. But whatever you do, friends, lay aside everything else till you get perfect love. Get to a spot that you can love everybody, every enemy, everything else. That one visit there to me has made me a different man. I can never, never, never be the same brother Branham that I was. Whether the planes are rocking, whether the lightnings are flashing, whether the spies has a gun on me, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to press the battle by the grace of God. Well, I preach the gospel to every creature and every person that I can persuading them to that beautiful land on earth. It may seem hard. It may take a lot of strength. I don't know how much longer. We don't know, physically speaking, that from my examination of the day, he said, you've got 25 years of hard, good life. You're solid. That helped me. But, oh, that wasn't it. That isn't it. It's something within here. This corruption has got to put on incorruption. This mortal's got to put on immortality. Amen. Sons of Kish may rise. 
I have all the good things they do. I have nothing evil to say against it. Given to the poor and to charity. And remember, why Samuel told Saul, you'll also prophesy. And many of those men are great mighty preachers, can preach the word like archangels. But still, it wasn't God's will. God was to be their king. Brother, sister, you let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let us bow our heads just a moment. I'm so homesick and blue. I want to see Jesus. I would like to hear those sweet harbor bells chime. It would brighten my path and would vanish all fear. Lord, let us look past the curtain of time. Lord, let me look past the curtain of sorrows and fear. Let me view that sunny, bright climb. It would strengthen our faith and would vanish all fear. Lord, let them look past the curtain of time. I'm sure, Lord, if this little church this morning could just look past the curtain, not an affliction among them, there never could be, not a sickness, nothing but perfection. And it's just one breath between here and there. From old age to youth. From time to eternity. From a weary of tomorrow and a sorrow of yesterday. Till the present time of eternity. In perfection. I know you've heard that before. But did you know that that's closer? Did you know that we were identified there? I'm a convert of that ministry. It's not just the earthly. We were identified. Millions were there. I'll tell you, just last night, just praying. And then this morning, it was just like something came. And there were situations I started praying for. And it was like that perfect love started coming. The Holy Ghost that we preach was shown manifest in this. It's not don't do this and nothing. It's the greatest gift. It's God Himself that He gave us. As the musicians come, I was reminded of a time my father who had gotten sick and was passing from this life, was in hospital. And I remember going to his place 
and there was much hurt in the family. And it was in that moment, and I just remember looking up, and I said, Lord, no matter what he's done, would your mercy be there for him? And I'm not saying that to point to myself, but I'm saying that's the reality of the Spirit of Christ in this message. That's the love of God that this world can never tap into because it comes through this. Brother Branham would say this just a few paragraphs later. And he would say this. It's talking about the people that are there. He says, when that final breath leaves you, he'd say that perfect love. He said, it's in the room right now. It's not very far from us. I don't know how you feel, friends, but when I get into that channel, I'm not worried about what the world is doing. I'm just looking at one thing. I'm just looking at the pull of the heavenly Jerusalem, the place that we were born for. Amen. I, I just want to encourage you. The mark of a beast is a forcing. The seal of God, it's being pulling you into a place. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. I had some songs I wanted to sing and I didn't write them down after all of that was, was said. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. That city that's up there. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised In the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Oh, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. sides of the north, the city of the great king. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Well, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king In Revelations the voice said, come out of her, come out of Babylon don't stay there any longer. 
And it would also declare in Revelations 5, and they sung a new song. Why? We've met the king. We've met Melchizedek. We've met that son of man. And we can't help but sing. I'll tell you what, I, I'm not just bemoaning the world around us. I'll tell you what, there's a joy in my heart for what's just beyond. There's something that's so real, it's coming down already. I think we ought to just thank God for it. I'm marching. I'm marching to Zion. Why don't we sing that? I, I feel like I don't want to talk about how bad the world is. I want to talk about how good God is. I want to talk about everything that's ahead of us. You know, when the devil comes to you and he tells you, you know, you, know, you did this wrong and you did the wrong, just brother, take the words of Brother Branham. Uh, take some quotes of Brother Branham and repeat them to the devil. Tell him, tell the devil, he says, I, I know where my future is and I know where your end is. I know that when a thousand years is over, I'm still going to be standing on this earth and you're going to be going into a pit and I'm going to be watching you. I'll tell you what, nothing can stop what God has done when He gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's just sing this. We're going to... Come we that love the Lord and let our joy be known. Join in the song with sweet accord. Join in the song with sweet accord. And thus surround the throne, and thus surround the throne. Oh, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, may speak their joys abroad. May speak their joy abroad. Oh, we're marching to Zion. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. The hills of Zion yield a thousand sacred sweets before we reach that heavenly fields. Before we reach that heavenly fields or walk the golden street or walk the golden street. Cause we're marching to Zion, oh beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God.
Then let our songs abound And every tear be dry We're marching through Emmanuel's ground We're marching through Emmanuel's ground To fairer worlds on high To fairer worlds on high And we're marching to Zion Oh beautiful, beautiful Zion I don't know what it was like for those that were by the river of Babylon that day. When they made a mockery, a singless song, and they were doing it. But something came out of them at that moment. Oh, if I prefer not Jerusalem. My inheritance lies in Jerusalem. And when finally that release came and Ezra went and and, and, and Zerubbabel went, and, and, and Nehemiah went, and they started watching. I don't know, it was a journey. But on the journey, they began to think about what was ahead. They began to think about God and all of His promises regarding. It was the start of a restoration, but there was something welling up inside of them. Somewhere in my life, friends, I don't know if you've ever had it. Have you ever had such extreme joy you couldn't contain it? That's the Holy Ghost. You got to, you got to, when that comes, seize it. Sing, march, dance, do whatever. I'll tell you what, destroy the devil with your music. Destroy him with your songs. It's the children's bread. We're not meant to hang our heads. We're not meant to be beaten down. There's the greatest joy of ever ahead of us. There's saints. Brother David Wicks has just crossed another land. He dropped his stooped shoulders. He dropped his cane. And he began dancing and singing and shouting about, It's real, friends. What will it be like the first five minutes? Oh, I'm so glad I stayed with it. I'm so glad I went to a Wednesday service. I was tired. I'm so glad I took all those moments. It'll be worth it all. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Amen. Let's, let's sing that. Well, let's just sing, isn't he wonderful? There's a, there's a brother who's been just marching recently, and I noticed his cadence has just been stepping up all the time. Seems like every service he's stepping up. He's always here at the front, but it just seems like Ask him where he was two years ago and the journey he's been on. I don't think there's any doubt about him ever going back. He's determined. So this brother's going to close Lord. in prayer for us tonight. Is that all right? Isn't, Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Oh, Isaac, seen years have heard what's recorded in God's Word. Isn't Jesus my 